What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Falcons will never change Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going excellent. Excellent. How can you say that after that devastating loss on Sunday? You know, it's middle of September now. We got a little f- cool breeze in the air. It was like 58 degrees yesterday. I'm wearing like jeans pretty comfortably nowadays. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the game did not go the way we wanted it to. Are you a skinny Sunday. jeans guy or a, or a uh, baggy jeans guy? I like to find some something in the middle. Something in the middle. I was I was wearing way too tight jeans the other day and felt very uncomfortable. Sure, but you don't want like this is in the nineties. You can't can't have baggy jeans either. Right, with the holes around the knees and stuff just, like that. It's like a, a nice proper somewhere in the middle. Sure, well fitting, but um, you know keeps things up to the imagination. Well said, sir. Well said. But we're, we're week, week one, Adam. It's, t- it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, here's the thing. Okay, yeah. You're it's a, not all terrible. It's, it's not all terrible, and your expectations were for this team to win like four games. Yeah. So, so I mean, why are you surprised and upset? I'm not surprised. I'm upset with how we lost um, because the Falcons just can't get out of their own way. Well, well, for those of us who didn't watch the game or strictly get their sports information from this podcast, right. which I think there's at least one person out there, there why, why don't you give the final score of the game? What happened? Did we win or lose, Graham? We lost. The final score is 27-26 Saints, actually in front of a very raucous crowd at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the first time in like five years, uh, for a Falcons game at least. So Falcons lose blow a twenty six to ten lead, and they just did it in typical Atlanta fashion. I mean, it was just like how many ways can you find a way to blow a double digit lead? I have a disturbing stat for you, Adam. This is according to Todd Furman. After yesterday's loss to the Saints, the Falcons are now five and three over their last three seasons in games where they lead by fifteen points in the fourth quarter. All other NFL teams are two hundred forty four two and one when leading by 15-plus in the fourth quarter during that same time frame. That is just pathetic. I am thoroughly disturbed. Yeah, it's a weird thing, too. And this is with different coaching staff, different quarterback, different personnel. It's the same shit, different day. It's just the same logo, same city. Yeah. And some of the same players. But it wasn't all bad. Let's just let's talk about it, you know. We'll do what we normally do. We'll go through the game. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the things we liked, the things we didn't like. Um, things I did like, Adam. Falcons got a lot of pressure on Jameis Winston, particularly in the first half. Got four sacks, uh, one of which I think came in the, the third quarter, but I think in the first half got three sacks. Uh, Grady got a sack. BDK got a sack, which was great to see the rookie getting in there. And Jameis just looked completely disoriented. Dean Pease was doing a great job of dialing up the blitz when he needed to, and it really threw Jameis off. And I was really impressed with just our ability. I mean, like, there was one sack by Michael Walker in particular that was awesome where he just, like, burst through the line of scrimmage. Everybody's, you know, the rest of the defensive linemen are on their man, and no one's there to block uh, Michael Walker. He just gets in there and crushes Winston. I mean, it was just textbook 
that's how you that's how you put pressure on the quarterback. And even when we weren't getting to him, we were still hitting Jameis. There was tons of times where he just didn't have time to go through his reads, and he was just getting rid of the ball, errant throws, incompletions. It was fantastic. Yeah, this this was all very surprising for me to see. So I, I was working during the game, but following along in the box score, and I saw four sacks, and it's like that is what's that like one fifth of all the sacks we had last That's year? Almost a quarter of what we had last year. We had eighteen sacks last year. Like that is just insane. under a quarter. Just under a quarter. So it was it was Grady Walker. Ebiketti and then Lorenzo Carter Lorenzo got in, got, got in there Grady. as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, with our defensive front, you're going to have to dial up blitzes. This isn't anything that's surprising to us. You know, it's not. No, it is surprising we were sacking the quarterback though. Well, it's surprising that we actually got to him. Yeah, the outcome's great. So I mean, at the end of the day, like that's a great sign. The offensive line is a great sign. Not, I mean, 200 yards rushing and zero sacks allowed. Only one quarterback hit as well, and. I think that was best in the NFL for week one. You're an offensive line guy, Grant. What, what, what do you think about that? I was really impressed with the play of uh, the new tackle, or is he a guard? Guard uh, Wilkinson. Elijah Wilkinson did a great job of keeping the middle of the line clean, as did our new center, Dahlman. Or not new center, but new starter. Um, they all did a the offensive line in general did a really good job, and there were times you know when when Mariota was rolling out, he obviously got a lot of rushing yards, seventy two rushing yards. There's plenty of times he was back there, had time to work, and made some stuff happen. Um, it was just very odd to see that. I haven't seen that in like four or five years, so on a consistent level, um, and it was consistent pretty much throughout the game. Were you just fired up the entire first three quarters watching that line of scrimmage getting pushed forward, holes opening up for? Corderell. It was you know, a, it's what yeah. you've always dreamed of. It was Grant. what I've always dreamed you, of. You've and, been screaming about offensive line. Yeah. And then you get good offensive line play. I can't I can't fault the offensive line this week for the first time in the history of this show. Really can't. Um so hats off to them. I hope it continues. Even McGarry did a decent job. Like it was so weird how they were just all so in sync. I think it says a lot because the center is the you know, usually the captain of the line. Um you know, for him to come in there, Dalman come in there and, and do what he did in leading that line is, is really impressive to me. So you give a lot of credit to Dalman. Yeah. And and everybody. I mean, everybody played really well. Um, but I just always I mean, I don't know if this is true for this Falcons offensive line or not. I mean, I guess I should since this is a Falcons podcast, but I always view the center as the captain of the line. And if the center's not doing well, because the center's, you know, the one that Knows what the quarterback's, you know, everybody knows what the quarterback's going to do in snap counts and all that, but he's the guy who has to facilitate. So he did a great job facilitating the overall, you know, well, offensive line play. Keep in mind the Saints are considered one of like the top five defensive fronts in the league yeah. as well. So it's not like we're going up against the Panthers. Here. No, like Cameron Jordan's always been, you know, the bane of our existence. Um, and yeah, their entire line's really good. And Jordan didn't really, he had a lot of tackles, but he wasn't like, I mean, the Saints only had two tackles for a loss in the whole game. The Falcons had four. So, I mean, all in all, like this team seemed like they were ready to play. Remember last year, like thirty-two to six or whatever the hell that was, where they just like so obviously were not ready to actually play football. Not the case this year. They were ready to go. It's just like you hate to say it, but it comes down to coaching. It does, and I'll tell you what happened in the third quarter. That was it was the fourth quarter that was really disturbing. Was the Saints scored like? I don't know, 17 points in the fourth quarter. They did it in like 10 minutes of game time. The Falcons still 
controlled time of possession. Like the Saints were doing this in like three minutes. I mean, like of game time when they actually had the ball. And it was just like it wasn't and a lot of people blame Dean Pease for dialing back the pressure. He actually increased the pressure, apparently, in the third quarter. We just weren't getting there. But what he did do, what he did change, was the coverage. Made the coverage a lot more prevent-based, cover-three-based, which left a lot of room for the receivers, particularly uh, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas, to go off. And I will say this about Michael Thomas, who we haven't seen since uh, 2020, I believe, play a down of football. He absolutely destroyed destroyed A.J. Terrell in that second half, killed him, got open consistently, made big catches. Terrell could not do anything to guard him. And it wasn't like Terrell was playing horrible coverage, but Thomas was beating him every single play. And the Saints, credit to them, did a great job of adjusting their protection. The Falcons secondary played, you know, because of Pease, played to, you know, prevent anything from happening as opposed to continuing to make things happen. And that was the difference in the ballgame. Well, it's not just that. So when we're up 26-10 with 12.45 left in the fourth, he cha- Pease changed up the defensive front. Yeah, that was another to thing. To where you have, I mean, Rush, who's the starter, but you also have Horn and Dickerson, both of which are like third-string D linemen. Makes no sense. Like, and they're like run stoppers, if anything. Yeah. And it was, it was stupid. I don't understand that. Yeah. And then that just completely opened up the field. There's zero chance you're getting any pressure. You got Quentin Bell in as well instead of Lorenzo Carter uh, covering the tight end. Yeah. And like, it's, it's like we were coasting, thinking, oh, we can rest yeah, the starters. Like, I don't understand. You're up by 16. You're not up by 60 or 30. Or and you're whatever. the Atlanta Falcons. And you're the Atlanta Falcons. You know what Dean Pease wants to talk about? We want to change the perception of things around here. He did that for three quarters. And for some reason, I don't know if that was Arthur Smith telling him that, if that was his decision or what. But, I mean, it comes down to Arthur Smith allowing that to happen for sure. But Dean Pease is, a, you know, he's not a dumbass because he's been around the league forever, but it's just a stupid move. It was a stupid decision. But, yeah, not that, that he's stupid. But. That, that I mean, Jameis was so uncomfortable the entire game. And it was just like, why change it? Make them beat you. It was so frustrating. Like, I get getting tired, but, like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, our offense was on the field all damn game. Yeah. So it was, yeah, you're right. The secondary was playing super back yeah. after that. We were still blitzing, but, you know, it's – you know, the safety can't even, like, get involved in the game. He's so far back. Right. And Richie Grant was playing, like, in the end zone the entire fourth quarter. Yeah. That's like, crazy. What, why? Why? I mean, it's so predictable. Like, any Falcons fan knows that's going to happen. It's just unbelievable. Like, that would have been such a good win. So there's that. There's the Mariota fumble on, like, the five. Yeah. Where he apparently lost track of where he was he, on the field. He thought that... He had to dive for the first down, mm-hmm. so that's why he did that instead of sliding. So there's that fumble, and there's the other fumble. The miss, the snap. On third and one. Yes. Like, he was already trying to run the play before the ball was in his hands, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, that was that was brutal. And just to circle back to the defense one more time, the thing that was so frustrating about this move is you got to know your opposing personnel. Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas have been some of the best in terms of short yardage completions and possession receivers in the NFL. Like them and Keenan Allen, a couple other guys you can talk about as well, but they've always been historically really good at that. So why are you playing into their strengths? These are not guys that stretch the field. These are guys that make the 10-yard catch, make the 8-yard catch, and then make something happen. These are possession receivers and, and that specialize in curls, slants, not posts and shit like that. So why are you playing into their strengths? It's just idiocy. 
Woof. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. And then, of course, despite all that with the shitty defense, you still could have won the fumbles. Fourth and one, the game's in your hands. Like your defense has fallen apart at this point too. Keep that in mind. Yeah, like it's so obvious the defense is not going to get a stop. We've all been there before. You need to keep possession. Arthur Smith came in saying he's going to be aggressive, like that was his thing. And then he pulled a Dan Quinn and punts it. Yeah. No, and, and then it took, what, like 10 seconds for them to get in field goal range? Yeah, it was brutal. And so in fairness to Arthur Smith, I, I, will defend, I won't completely defend him because I think it was the wrong decision, but I can understand his thinking at this point. We just fumbled third and one. So is, is our offense like in sync right now? Can but they rebound? At the end of the day, the analytics tell you you go for it. It's oh, a yeah, no-brainer. For sure. And also with Just how, listen to the analytics. I agree. And how, with how poorly your defense has been playing that quarter, you have to try to uh, win the game with the offense there. You're telling me Mariota can't pick up one yard? Exactly. Especially when you have a mobile quarterback that just... Yeah, you don't have ex- Matt Ryan who's just going to like fall forward. Like, right. That expands what you can do offensively, and you should be dialing up either... A keeper sneak, throw to the flat, or hell, just try to bust it up the middle with a run. I don't know. You got you had a lot of options of what you could do to try and win the game there, and instead we punt it, and the predictable thing. Especially happens. when your offensive line has been winning the line of scrimmage yeah. all the game. Yeah, and Cordarrelle has been fighting like hell. 120 yards and 22 carries, averaged five and a half yards per carry, and there are a couple of plays in uh, in the first half where the offensive line wasn't making as big a holes. They mostly did a great job, but he was fighting for those short yard yardage uh, situations. Like he was making it happen on his own sometimes. So it's like, he could do that one more time. He's having a great game. Use him. Remember your prediction that Cordero would be out wide a lot and not. Yeah. So much time running back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fairness, he uh, still had five targets, but Damian Williams did get hurt very early in that game. I yeah. believe, but, but still it's like, you're going to keep going to Cordero. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so much for that take. Um, you know, Mariota had a decent game. Kyle Pitts was really nowhere to be found. Um, had seven targets, but only two catches it's, for nineteen it's yards. It's scheming though; like they're they're taking him, they're purposely taking him out of the game. But we actually have some different weapons. Uh, Drake London with a pretty good good job, seventy two yards in his first game, five receptions, seventy four. Yeah, we, we, there's some other weapons. Like if they're going to take Pitts out of the game, that's fine. Yeah, Zacchaeus had a decent game, four for forty nine, minus the fumble, minus the fumble, had a nice uh, twenty two yard catch. Um, Cordell got it on the receiving action as well. Cardinal Hodge showed up, the guy we know nothing about. Three uh, catches, thirty eight yards, and three targets. Not like a big game, but you know did what was asked of him. Um, but yeah, they totally took Pitts away, and um, but even with that, you know, it was the Corderell show. He did such a good job, and I thought even though Mariota screwed the pooch there, wasn't terrible. But he, you know, you see the limitations in, in Marcus Mariota's game, and he made some big mistakes. Um, he's not a top tier quarterback, but he still, I think, did enough to give you a chance to win. But really, what I was most impressed about was 200 yards uh, from scrimmage. Uh, from running the football. I mean, like, we, we haven't seen that in a while from, from the Falcons. It sucks when it's like, <laughs> it sucks when, um, you know, you still lose the game. And um, it happened apparently six times last season. Um, and it's happened only 25 times in the past six seasons. And it's hilarious that it's the fourth time this has happened to the Falcons since 2000. We can, we can go back for decades to, like, five different regimes, and we'll find crazy stats that it seems like only the Falcons uh, can create or, or, or they are the majority, they, they make the majority of the stat up or something like it's just ugh, it's boggles the mind. 
Yeah, but all in all, like, you got to feel pretty good, I think. I mean, it it sucks to lose the way we did. Yeah. But a lot of positive things to take out of it. And like I said, at the end of the day, expectations weren't great for this team. No. And I think we're going to be competitive in a lot of games, but it's just a matter of learning how to close these games out. Yeah, and that's the thing, especially with a young team like this. We talked about, you know, getting that mindset, that that hard, hardened military mindset, and Arthur Smith is trying to instill in these guys in last week's preview show. And it sucks to see a game like this because then games like this linger in the back of, of, of your mind, no matter who you are. It's not you don't just put it behind you. The only way to put it behind you really is to prove that you can actually finish. Then you start putting it behind you. But this cannot become a recurring theme again. It cannot, even though, because like the frustrating part is that, you know, they blew away my expectations in the trenches. Absolutely blew them away. I thought the Saints were going to get five, six, seven sacks. I thought we'd rush for maybe 50 yards. Um, you know, they did such a good job controlling the game where you win football games. And they, and they did such an amazing job. And only the Falcons can find a way to <laughs> fuck that up, man. It's like, good night. But. Yes, you're right. This is going to be a competitive team. They're going to play hard. They, they're going to play the Rams next week. Or this week, I should say. Which is going to suck because we have to go to L.A. They just got their asses kicked by the Bills. Um, lost by like 23 points or something like that. So they're going to be hungry and ready to destroy us. This is not a game where we're going to sneak up on them at all. And they're super talented. Uh, Terrell will be tested once again going to, up against Cooper Cup, who I think is probably the best receiver in football right now. Uh, maybe Justin Jefferson. He's a top three guy. So Terrell will be tested. Um, the offensive line will be tested again with uh, that fearsome defensive front by the Rams. Matthew Stafford will be looking to have a much better game. You know, he's not anywhere close to being licked. Had such a great season last year. So it's going to be a really tough game for the Falcons to go out west and and win next week. And it just sucks that we couldn't have that little cushion, that little insurance. Of being like, we're one to know at How least. How sweet would one to know be? We're one to know at least if we lose to the Rams, it's not the end of the world. Now you go now you're probably gonna start the season knowing two realistically. When's the last time we were one to know? We lost the last four openers, I believe. Is something I read. Did we win twenty seventeen? I remember we were at Hampton and Hudson. Can't remember if we won or lost that game. That was the twenty eighteen season, actually. We were at Hampton and Hudson. Mm. 2017, we did. We beat the Bears. Okay. We beat the Bears. That was the last year we went to the playoffs. Yeah. That was a really disgusting game, but we beat the Bears. So that was the last time. Yeah, man. Um, that hurts. We, we could be riding high, 1-0, but what are you going to do? Yeah, still, uh, like we said, positive takeaways. Positive takeaways. And that's and that you know what? Coming back to it, that's really what you have to rely on this year, probably for the next couple of years, is are you getting better and and in certain areas, particularly in the trenches. And we saw, damn, the Falcons got a lot better there. And hopefully this is not a one-off mirage and, and we, they can continue to do that. And we got a hell of a kicker, Graham. And we, we knew that. Yes. And he, yeah, he had like, what, four field goals yeah. made? And I mean, it's four for five, but that last one was what, like a 63-yarder? 63 yards. He had to kick it blocked. He had to kick it really low. He had to kick it really low because you can't get so much air under a 63-yard kick or it's not going to go the distance. Looked good off the foot. It was just a little low. You had like four or five guys over the line that you know they got their hand on it. It is what it is. The the fourth and one just kills me. Not going for it. Yeah, though. it's like, a bad. Move. The game was in our hands. Bad move. The game is over if you can pick up one yard. Yeah, because I think brutal. they were out of timeouts at that point too. So it's like it literally is over at that point. It's under yeah. two minutes. It's done. Go win the ball game. Yeah. Have some balls. I'd like to think that Arthur Smith is going to learn from that. Do Do you care about everyone was getting all? 
hot and crazy about him. Uh, you know, he was being pretty catty and just like pissed off after yeah. the game with now, the press. I mean, I would be pissed off it was too. Raw emotions. It was raw emotions. I I forgive him for it. I don't think it's a big deal. All the members of the press are acting like he committed like mass genocide or something. It's like the dude was mad. People were asking aggravating questions. You know, he even admitted like about that play when they uh, someone asked him, "Is like, well, would you have you know gone for it?" Like in hindsight, yeah, probably. You know, but you know, he thought that was the best decision at the time. He, he said multiple times, "He's like, blame me. I've got to be better." Like he, he wasn't just like deferring blame or anything or yeah. being like, "Fuck you guys." Yeah, a lot of things were taken out of context. Yeah, they like, were. He literally said, "Blame me." Yeah, he said, "Blame me," and then he was also you know talking about you know. He, it's obvious that he reads uh, the internet and the paper and whatnot and and listens to stuff, and people have low expectations for this team, so that probably really pissed him off that they played a good game overall for like three quarters and then just blew it, and then he's got to be like, God, I'm so mad right now. And, you know, that's, that's a learning experience for him, and you know what? I don't really give a shit how my coach treats the press. I give a shit what my coach does on the field, and you know what? For three quarters, he did a great job. Last quarter, he's got to clean up, and we also got to remember, this is second year coaching coaching a team. We got to give him time to improve and grow, just like we're trying to do with all these young players. Yeah, the, yeah, and he came back and kind of apologized the next day. Yeah, he know? was like I was a little out of line. He, yeah, was he a little out of line, sure, but he's not yeah. like going around slapping people's moms and defecating on through a sunroof. You know, no. it's like let's calm down a little bit. And, and he's just trying to defer blame from his players and yeah, you know, take a little attention off the people who might have screwed up. But um, you know, football's back, Graham. Either way. Football's back. 0-1, 8-0, and 7. No. We could be 0-7. We could be. We'll, uh, uh, we'll probably be 0-2 next week. you have any hope against the Rams? Uh, I give it 25 to 35% chance of winning the game. Yeah, I think we're going to come out and like surprise them initially, and then we'll find a way to lose. That's that's my – it's not going to be as – like we're not going to be ahead by 16 points, but I think we'll keep it competitive. If you're a betting man, the line is 10.5. Might be tempted to take that um, – might not be, but like I think the Falcons are going to be very competitive in this game. We'll see what happens, but yeah, it's it's a tall order playing the defending champs in their building when they're hungry and they're still a really good team. They're a much better team than you on paper, but that's why they play the game. So we'll see what happens on on Sunday. So the good news is after that we got the Seahawks, so that is a winnable game after yeah. the Rams. Yeah, and I'd imagine it's they're probably staying on the west coast you know that west coast stuff kind of matters then the browns so you know we could if we go into we could get back to two and two you never know yeah i mean it's, it's, it's certainly possible that is your falcons report for the week we will take a quick break and hear a word from our friends from raycon and DraftKings. you know adam lately i've been listening to a lot of bob dylan and it's been great one reason that's been great to listen to is not only because Bob Dylan's the greatest songwriter of all time, but because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to listen to him. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Raycon's gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycon's are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. A couple other things I like about these earbuds, Adam, Raycon earbuds, is noise isolation. It always sucks when you're listening to something but the outside world is getting in your earbuds. You switch on your noise isolation mode. It's like you're in the song, man. And then you also got earbud tap functions. You don't have to pull out your phone to skip a song 
or uh, turn up and down the volume. You can do it all with earbud tap functions, Raycom pause, play, fast forward, etc. Skip a song. It's good stuff. So if you want in on the great sound of Raycon earbuds, go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Adam, we're back. We're talking Braves. Talking baseball. Acuna is slumping. Talking baseball. Where is Austin Riley? What's going on, Adam? What's going on the Braves? I like we're in like September swoon mode going on here. Well, Graham, we were a first-place uh, baseball team for the first time this past Saturday, uh, Friday night, I believe. I really didn't like how everybody reacted to that, um, the fan base in general. It felt like everybody, not everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, I'm generalizing, but a lot of fans were acting like, it's over now! We're up by one game! Fuck you, Mets! You know, it's just no. Twitter was kind of like that. And Blooper himself went on there and said, Blooper. No, no. He said, we haven't won anything. There's a lot to go. It's going to be a fight to the end sort of thing. He did it in a much kind of tongue-in-cheek way, but it was, it was kind of serious for a blooper tweet. It wasn't like there was no real sense of irony or, or humor. It was like, get ready to rock and roll sort of thing. And, and I felt like ever since then, we just have shit the bed. We're about to lose two or three to the Giants. Kenley Jansen blew another save against the Mariners. Um, we lost that series. Um, it's been an unsuccessful West Coast road trip. Everybody on the offense, with the exception of like Harris and Dansby, seem to be struggling. And Grossman, Grossman's been, had a really good trip. But everybody else is just kind of like in a funk. And Darno, but everyone else, yeah, yeah. The offense is really, really sliding right now. Like, I don't know if you pulled any stats on Acuna, Graham. I have not, but I hear they're atrocious. He's only got like what two homers in the last like month and a half or something I, like I'm that. I'm not really. I don't really care about a he, He's not going to be himself until next year. No, we know that. So you can't really judge him on home runs right now due to his health. I suppose so. But, like, should he still be batting leadoff? Where else would you put him? Further down in the lineup? Oh, obviously. Smart ass. But where would you, you put him? Maybe you do the, the thing you've been going for all year. Let's swap him and Harris. Okay. I would not be opposed to that. Michael Harris is like a god right now. Yeah. I mean, Harris is Acuna in his rookie year. The, the, the one problem with that is that Harris is so good with runners in scoring position, you kind of take him out of that position to a degree if you put him at, uh, at the top of the order. But I almost don't care. Like, I'd rather him be getting more at-bats than Acuna right now. And I will say this, like, even though 
yes, he hasn't hit a lot of home runs this year, but uh, had a really good August. We talked about it, I think, last week. Even if September hasn't been awful, hitting 250, 294, 333 slugging percentage is awful. 294 on base isn't great. He's not getting on base that much, but he's not like the worst person in the world or anything. Like there are people that are doing worse than him. Like Matt Olson is like oh for his last 53 or four for his last 53 or something like that. It's a horrible stat. He hasn't done well since hitting that grand slam in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, at this point it's, it's blatantly obvious that uh, Freddie Freeman's the better player currently. Absolutely. <laughs> Freddie has won year one. No yeah. doubt about that. And Olsen just keeps making defensive errors that Freddie would not make. Like there's a play in the game I don't remember if it was last night or the night before. These Giants games are kind of running together for me. But Von Grissom makes a stop up the middle. There was a ball in the dirt. It's a pickable ball. Olsen can't pick it. There's another play where Dansby's throwing the ball to him. It's just a normal throw. Like, and the, the ball is thrown perfectly. And Olsen drops it. He's done that like three times this year. He just drops a routine throw. That's strange. And it's very, very odd. You know, I think I, I agree with the uh, the tweet from the very wise people that run the Atlanta Zone Twitter page mm. that said Matty O might need a day off. Yeah. Is, has he taken a day off all no, year? No. Has, has he, anyone else played first base? No, Austin he, Riley hasn't gotten like an inning he, there. He prides himself. Yeah, I don't think he's ever coming out of the game, uh, game this season. He apparently prides himself on on playing every day. I mean, it, it might be that season though. It's like I I know um, they gave Grissom a night off yesterday. Adrian's got to start, and you know it kind of mixed things up a little bit. Like yeah. let's let's get some guys a little bit of rest here. I think I think there is a little bit of fatigue in play here. But at, at the end of the day, like we were ten and a half games out. Worst case scenario after this loss to the Giants that we just had, we're a game and a half out, depending on what. If the Mets win tonight, right, game and half out, coming home like that, we need to keep it in that area because we still have the series with the Mets. Yeah, so you know, coming home, Phillies, Nationals, there's a chance to win. You know, what five out of six? Could be something along those lines. Phillies not playing well right now, and mm, I think they've won like four straight. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like overall, they've cooled off from their hot run. I feel like. Um. And I based that on nothing, just because I said. Yeah, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, I said to John, I was talking to him uh, last week. I was like, "What's going on in Philly?" It seems like they're slowing down a little bit. He's like, "I don't know. Yeah, they're just um, they're just not playing as well." I got I got no uh, analysis for you, so I'm just taking it from a, a guy who watches Philly baseball. Well, they've won four straight at least. They've Maybe won since four that, straight. Uh, amazing line you got out of Philly John there. He has so many memorable lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a wealth of knowledge. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you start a sentence with I don't know, that's yeah. when you're going to get the best info. Well, that's when I'm going to be most interested as a listener, particularly when I'm listening to podcasts and you talk about guys who don't, you're, you are guys who don't know anything and you start talking about guys that don't know anything. It's like an onion of bullshit. I mean, as long as you preface the fact that you don't know, I think that makes you a more reliable source than someone that thinks or claims, or acts like they know everything, yeah. Graham. Well, I will say this, Adam. Before their four-game winning streak, they lost two of three to Arizona and lost three straight to San Francisco. So they've rebounded. They were going through a, a stretch there where they were one and six. So so maybe San Fran's hot right now. San Fran, I mean... I mean lo- losing two out of three in Seattle, like that's no shame. They're a really good team. They are really good. But the way we did it, like... Again. Scoring five runs in the ninth, and then Jansen just comes in and can't do anything. Yeah. No, I mean, San Francisco's not really that hot either. They lost five in a row after that Philly series. So it's like, it's uh, losing this series to the Giants is inexcusable to me. Losing it to 
the Mariners, so be it. But yeah, you're exactly right. The way we lost it, coming back down what six to one. Michael Harris hitting home runs in the eighth and the ninth inning. Grossman. Grossman, what was that like a, a, three, a two run bomb to take yeah, the lead? I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think Harris is a three run homer. So, and then for Jansen, just blow it again. Jansen's out of time to me. He also didn't look great in the save he got uh, in game two against San Francisco. Like the last pitch he threw to strike a guy out was like a 91 mile an hour cutter that was at the dude's like top of the top of his helmet. And I guess the batter just guessed entirely wrong and, and swung at it. But there was a guy at guy on base. I think there was a guy on, in scoring position and it could have gone any other way if there had been a competent batter up there or a batter that wasn't totally fooled for some reason. No disrespect to that batter but he swung at like one of the worst pitches i've ever seen a major leaguer swing at yeah i mean his location he, still he's sucks got, he's got no idea where the ball's going and the problem with jan you remember in 2020 the year the dodgers won the and i'm using air quotes here world series yeah um, you know if we had won the world series last year you would not be using those or that year we would not be using that i think I would. Quotes, would we, you? we've had this conversation it, no. it, it wouldn't feel real it's not the same as a hundred. That's very different game. than your than your opinion on the season before it started, the the COVID season. I, yeah, I was just justifying. I wanted baseball. Okay, and so I now wanted, we know your truth. I wanted to care about something. <laughs> you know, there's nothing else to care about. I wanted something to look forward to. Um, I know what you mean. No, but that year they pulled Jansen as the closer because he was doing this stuff. Right. So the problem with Jansen is he's not really a guy you can run out there. In the seventh inning, necessarily, like no, where where is another place to put him? Like he he's kind of at a point now where like he can't really be trusted to pitch in high leverage scenarios. But it's like he's not a guy you can bring in in like the middle of an inning and get a strikeout. He's not a strikeout guy. You don't know what he's going to get. Like I feel like in the ninth inning when he's on, like you know his stuff plays. Sure, he's got. He, he, yeah, he can't come in the middle of an inning. Like, you're not you bringing got, him with the bases loaded and two out where you need a strikeout. No, not at know? all. Not or one all. out, and you need to strike out. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know what you do. Well, uh, I, Iglesias has just been unbelievable. Like it's. Here's a good stat, and for he's you. a closer. Yes, here's a good stat for you. Has allowed Iglesias since coming to the Braves has allowed one run in sixteen and two thirds innings. Has only allowed eight hits while striking out twenty. It's pretty damn good. Like I don't know why he can't get a crack at it at this point. I know Jansen is the veteran. He has the experience. He's the active saves leader, but like. How much more do you need to see? I get letting him work through it, but this year is different than last year. Like, last year at this time, you know, the Mets were sputtering. Like, we were running away with it, essentially, at this point. Like, we were were just playing so much better. Well, at this point, it was us in Philly. Yeah. Like, it was like a four or five game lead kind of thing. Whoever. But it was like, you could afford a blown save here and there. Although, Will Smith didn't really blow games. He just made it, um, you know. He did blow games. He made it uncomfortable. He did, but... But but anyway, but this like, is the point in the year where he so turned more, it on, it's, and it's so much more important this year to win the division. Yes. So like, we can't mess around. Like that's what three blown saves he said in the last like couple weeks. Yeah, I think he's so blown, that's the difference. I think between, he's blown four saves in the last like two or three weeks or something like so that. So that's the difference it's, between it's, being it's a no game good. and a half back and two up. Yeah, and it's also the difference between like you know winning a series against St. Louis, winning a series against Seattle, quality opponents that you want to, that you're measuring yourself against as yeah. the postseason approaches. Um yeah, it's just it's just no good, man. Let's see. Uh in September, Kinley has a five oh six ERA. He's given up five hits in six appearances, three on runs, two home runs. He's only walked one, but you know, it's not good. And then, you know, his August was awful too, four eight two ERA. 
gave eight hits and and nine and a third innings pitch and walked seven. So he's 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 all over the place and he's blown three saves in his last like seven appearances. So that just doesn't fly. Yeah, I mean it's we're what two weeks until the end of the season at this point. Yeah, like. He it's crunch time. This is it. This is the last week he's got to show something. And even if he does, I think it's too late. His his stuff just isn't isn't there. And I don't know if he's going to figure it out before the end of the season. I mean, the bullpen is just so much better if Kenley Jansen is like good Kenley Jansen. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I mean, so same like, everything like- falls into place if he's got that uh, nine nine hole covered up. But he doesn't right now. Yeah, so. and it's really like we talked about it. Last time, it's like your big three right now are Mentor, McHugh, and Iglesias, and they're not being utilized correctly. Or at least Iglesias isn't. Those are the guys you got to ride in the playoffs. And I know, I absolutely know Snitker is not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He's going to, we're going to have a lead against whoever we play in that first round, and Jansen is going to blow a save. It's inevitable at this point. He will not. And he backed Kinley up. He backed Kinley up when we blew the, the Seattle game. He was like, yeah, it's like the second most saves in baseball. It's just a fucking stupid take. It's like, are you watching him pitch? I mean, he's not going to blast the guy in front of the media. You don't have to blast him. I'm not saying say he sucks. I'm not saying pretend like you're on a shitty Atlanta sports podcast. I'm just saying, you know, like uh, be a little like like what, what, sound what, like you have a brain. What would you say, Graham? Here's what I would say. I would say uh, there's a deer across the street. That's pretty cool uh, in your neighbor's yard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just like <laughs> came out of nowhere. That's wild. I would really say, um, you know, Kenley's struggling right now. He's working through some things, and we're going to see where he's at. You know, that at least be a little more honest or at least a little more forthright than being like, oh, it's a second time for second in baseball and saves. It's just like, you can't use that as a rationale. Is that all he said? On That's him? pretty much what he said. You're not taking that out of context. I'm not taking at that all? out of context. He did say that. You watched the entire post game. Interview? I can't remember all the details, but okay. that was a line he okay. used. Okay. And it was just like, that was like the crux of the argument. And I was like, ugh. I believe you, Graham. I mean, I'm certainly of the mind that we should go to Iglesias, but, you know, like we've discussed, a ton of people said that about Will Smith last year, and they were wrong. But Proven Will wrong. Smith turned it on. Right, and Jansen could turn it on. But he's running out of time to do that. Like, it was the last week of the season that Will Smith turned no, it on. No, it was before that. It was it was around, around this time last year, Will Smith... Turned it on the last three weeks of the uh, of the regular season, and that's. I mean, I remember going to that last game of the year. I was like, "Holy shit!" Will Smith just like retired the side in like eleven pitches and struck out two guys. He looks amazing. Um, in September, he had a one five zero ERA and eight saves in twelve games pitched, and the opponents only hit one hundred five off of him. He figured something out. In August, he had a five eight four ERA. That's when I was calling for his head. But September, he turned it around. Completely. I'm regretting the Will Smith trade. I don't regret he it. He hasn't given up a run in like 10 outings now with the Astros. Are you serious? Yeah. And Odorizzi is not that dude. Yeah, he's been good. He, gave, he had his September figure things out moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, I Well, at the time, I think we all, all like that move. I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, crucify Anthopolis for that. I mean, I was done with Will Smith at that point. Maybe he needed a change of scenery. Maybe he's just a September pitcher. I don't know. Um, but we need a September closer. And just, I don't think Jansen's the guy to do that. 
and hopefully, and I feel like, you know, there's a part of me that was like just, you know, trashing on Sinet there, but he has shown a willingness to change things up and things aren't working to the point where it's like getting detrimental. So the best thing that can probably happen as much as I hate to say this for the playoffs is keep running Kenley out there to the point where Snit has like incontrovertible evidence in the sense that he has to, he has to make a change, has to make a change. Like that's the only way it's going to happen. We've had this argument a million times though. Like what change would you have liked him to make that he was wrong about that didn't work out for us? What changed his changes usually work. Okay. I'm talking about his loyalty to players can be a detriment. Right, sometimes. But, but what time has he been loyal to a player and it didn't work out for us? I think he was way too loyal to Marcelo Zuna this year, but he made a change. He's not getting as much playing time. Like, I was like, why the hell isn't William Contreras in the lineup every day when Acuna was healthier? That's another thing. Uh, that's one example. I can't really think of um, a bunch off the top of my head. I mean, I think he's a, he's a, does a decent job of being like, I got to make I got to make a switch here when he needs to. So but that's something for the offense that's kind of been frustrating, too, is that, you know, William Contreras has only gotten like 15, 18 September at bats or something like that. It's because Acuna has to be the DH because his knee is screwed up. He played in right field today, but like that hurts the offense, not having Contreras in, in the order. And that's another question going into the playoffs. It's like, what are you going to do? You got banged up Acuna, who's not performing to the level you want him to perform at, doesn't have the power. And you got guy in William Contreras that in like 200 at bats has 18 home runs and a 500 slugging percentage. Like you got to get that guy in the lineup. I just don't see how you approach the playoffs without doing that. But then it's like, who do you lose? I don't know. Yeah. You can't do it right now. Yeah. It's frustrating. I think, um, we have seen, I think now over the last, I said this last week and then Grissom went off for like a four for five game, but now I do think he is slowing down a little bit. And Ozzy was five for five last night in Gwinnett and walked it off with the walk off yep. homer. So I think Ozzy's going to be a big spark when he comes back up. Yeah, and he's a guy you can plug in the top of the lineup as well. I don't want to plug him in the top of the lineup because I feel like his on base skills suck. Like he's not a good on base percentage guy. I need a guy who's going to get on base regularly. Ozzy's good for driving in runs. Ozzy's good for making things happen, but he's not a good on base percentage player, and that's been established throughout his career. Um, multiple years with low 300 on base percentages. And this year he was at 284 before he got hurt or something like that. So I'm, I'm just, I do not want him hitting first. I'll just say that. I don't think he has good enough play discipline for that. But he is a guy you want in your But order. we can agree he's going to be a spark. Absolutely, he's going to be a spark. Okay. I just don't want him at the top of the order. So. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about, like, the team that has the best record in the last, like, 100 games in the majors. So, like. We've been very damn good, and we're a game and a half out of first. Yeah. Well, right now it's a game. We'll see what the Mets do. We'll see do what the though. Mets do. But the Mets lost back-to-back to the Cubs. Yeah. Von Grissom is still hitting three oh six in September, Adam. You may say he's slowing down. He has had a bad week, but he's still not like a schmuck out no, there. No, he hasn't. I mean... Uh, 5.28 slugging percent. I still want to see him in left field. He's taking those reps. He's we're kind of running out of time for that in uh, game time as well, though. Well, I think Ozzy's got to come back. I mean, my prediction, Ozzy is back next week, if not the end of this week. He might be back for that Philly series. I could see him for starting first game, second base series. Friday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. He looks good. I watched uh, some video of him in the field moving around. Looks like himself. I think he's. 
I don't know what else you need to see from him down in AAA, yeah. honestly. Well, I mean, they weren't going to, like, send him out to the West Coast, you know? No, I don't so. think so. No, you don't need to do that. But, I'm like, now... I would put home, money on he's activated for Friday. I don't, I'm not taking that bet, because that's, that's a very Anthopolis move to do that. Be like, let's just do it. Yeah, lost two in a row. Well, two out of three to not a great team, so... I think you're I think you hit you struck a chord, Adam. Guys need to get a day or two. Like, why not in the national series? Like, don't do it against Philly because we you know Philly's still good. We gotta play good against those guys. But why not in the national series say, Matt, take a day off. Austin Riley, take a day off. Get Adrianza to start. Um I mean the kicker is you like these games are important and you you need to win every game you can. You do, but you should be able to beat the nationals with uh, a guy on the bench. Yeah. You know, don't say you have to take multiple guys out during a, uh, uh, one game, but just like, you know, game two against the Nationals, sit Austin Riley, game three, sit Mantle, whatever. You know, just like, just give them one day just to refresh a little bit. Because they, they all look a little sluggish right now, those guys in particular. I mean, your top four right now are just really, really scuffling. Um, particularly Olsen, man, like, gah. He, he was talking about it after the game. He's like, my timing's just a little off. And it was really exemplified in this one at bat last night. It was like the seventh or eighth inning. Olsen just kept fouling balls off. He was just a lit, and they were, they were pitches down low where he likes to go down and just like socket the center field, get an extra base hit or a, or a, or a home run. And he just wasn't hitting it. And you could tell he was just off by like this much, just a little bit, but he's off enough to the point where he's not effective right now. He just, I think just taking taking some time would be good for him. I mean, for everyone, like Kyle Wright, he might need to be skipped. <clears throat> like, he got shelled by the A's. Like, his box line looks decent for yesterday. He got the win. It wasn't like, dominant, though. He, he, yeah, he's just he's missing, like, a lot of three-ball three, three counts, which he wasn't doing earlier in yeah, the year. Yeah, loaded the bases. I think he's, he's getting a little tired, so yeah. it might be time for – bring back Bryce Elder for a start against the Nationals, maybe. I think that's maybe. a good idea. Um, um, even Strider looked a little, <clears throat> you know, not himself. That one start against uh, Seattle the other day. None of these guys have done this before. No, no. And I don't think Strider's slowing down as much as Wright is, but it was like he gave up a career-high nine hits. He wasn't like – I loved his quote after the game. He's like, I was pitching like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, just wasn't mixing his stuff up well enough. But um, – I'm not. I'm not too concerned about Strider. I am a little concerned about Wright, and not the not the way he's pitching, but just what the fatigue is doing to his pitching um, is is more of a concern. I think. I think bringing Bryce Elder back for a start might be a good idea, um, and giving Kyle just a total skip in the rotation. You're really digging my managerial ideas. They're all sound. Week, <laughs> you know, I'll I'll say if I don't agree with something. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't know what else really there is to say it's just kind of like coming home is good i think coming home for this Braves team is really good right now we don't have to go back to the west coast um, three sellouts against the phillies yeah we're going to the game on friday which should be fun i'm getting all my games in this week graham yeah i'll be uh going to the game friday yeah general admission schlepping it with the common folk yeah i'll be right there with you saturday i'm just going to be in the parking lot not even going to the game little tailgate action old school style yeah and then uh, Tuesday, I'll have some very nice seats behind home plate. Oh, I'm going to look for you on TV. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be there, Bo. So, you know, I, I haven't gone since April when Jansen almost blew his first save. Oh, yeah. You and I were at that game. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I'm due. Yeah. It should be fun. It should be a great environment. And 
Let's hope we can get back to our winning ways because the, the Mets aren't really playing that well right now. I mean, they're, they're losing to the Cubs. They're not like really running away with the division while while we uh, are sort of putzing around right now. So, yeah, they've messed up by losing to the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They've lost two in a row to Chicago, which also is frustrating for on our end because it's like that. This could have been our chance to not bury them, but at least get some semblance of a lead more sure. than a game. And DeGrom pitched yesterday. And DeGrom well. pitched yesterday, and they couldn't and, do anything. And Scherzer is out, so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I think, like, both the Mets and the Braves are looking a little vulnerable right now. They're both kind of slowing down. Um, the Dodgers just keep killing everyone despite their injuries like they don't i don't think they have Kershaw right now or bueller i think bueller's out for the year doesn't seem to matter they have like i think plus like 368 run dif- run differential between them and their opponents they won 94 games uh like 94 and 42 or something insane i mean they're just they're just doing dodger stuff man we, we got to get our shit together like i guess if you're going to have a, a little dip like now is a, an okay time to have a little dip but you can't let it persist you got to start writing the ship right now like you got to start like this series against philly you got to come out and make a statement that you know we're not gonna just limp into the postseason what pitching matchups do we have any ideas let us observe so the game we're going to adam is freed versus suarez so nice. that's advantage braves saturday is odorizzi nola sunday is strider and falter i don't know who falter is so advantage braves there for sure um you gotta give the edge to the Phillies in that Saturday game just because it's Nola versus Odorizzi. But um I like the Braves' chances here, for sure. To uh to take this series. Go get you some. Yeah. Well that that wraps up our show. And we will see you guys next week, I think. Um yeah, pretty sure we'll see you guys next week. So until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospitomacy. Hospitomacy.